Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Yes, you're in the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. My co-host is Chris O'Brien. And we have a very special guest. And before we introduce our guest, let me tell you a story. On November 22nd of 2009, we featured James Carrion, our guest tonight. He was at the time International Director of MUFON. It was a pleasant conversation. We had a great time. I hope he did. He even recorded a promo for the program. So, you know, it was a pleasant show. We talked about his work, about MUFON, and everything else. Then, on January 23rd of 2011, almost 14 months to the day later, we featured a different person handling the chores of Director of MUFON, who was Clifford Clift. Okay, we had a pleasant time, pleasant discussion. We got along well. He also recorded, by the way, a promotional announcement for the Paracast. You know, we ask that courtesy of our guests sometimes. Okay, now a lot has happened. A lot happened in those 14 months, and a lot has happened since that show was broadcast. So before we go on, not too many weeks, James, after you appeared on the Paracast, you stepped down as international director of MUFON. So what was going on? Why did you make that decision? Well, actually, I, I had made the decision quite a ways back. Uh, actually, I had informed the board at our 2009 symposium that I was considering stepping down since my three-year term was up. Um, I told him I would stay on for as long as the Bass project was running, uh, but I would be uh, officially um, relinquishing the position in 2010. So this was, this was planned way in advance as far as uh, the peaceful transition of power. Uh, but what ended up happening was a, a sort of a, a, I resigned before my term was up. I was going to relinquish my term, uh, relinquish the position uh, in 2010. Uh, and what happened was there were some events that uh, occurred with the MUFON that uh, sort of forced me to resign before my term was up. Okay, therein lies a tale. Can you tell us about those events? So what happened uh, was in January of 2010, the Bass contract was coming to an end, and two of the board members, Clifford Cliff, who was going to take over as international director, and who had actually been announced as international director, um, and Jan Harzan, secretly sent uh, a letter to Bass trying to portray me as the reason why the project was failing and offering transparency to Bass uh, and accountability. Uh, and they did this behind my back while I was still act- acting international director. So they entered into secret communication. And once I found out that letter was sent, it was sent to me by a third party, then I turned around and, and offered my immediate res- resignation from the board and from MUFON. I think our listeners, for those who haven't followed the byplay, this contract, which has become a big issue between MUFON, an outside investor. What was that about? The contract with Bass uh, was basically subcontracting MUFON for UFO investigative services, uh, but also for access to MUFON's historical uh, case files, as well as the, the current cases that were being entered into our website. So basically, we're looking for MUFON to send investigators out to the field uh, for high-priority cases, uh, especially where there was physical evidence involved, and to collect that evidence and, and then to share that evidence with Bass. Okay, now who runs this organization that you contracted with? Well, Bass stands for Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Study, so this is a sort of uh, 
subsidiary of uh, Bigelow Aerospace. Now, Robert, Robert Bigelow, by the way, he became very wealthy because he owned this hotel chain, right? That's correct. And then he branched out later on into uh, to the aerospace industry. Okay. So they contracted with you. How much did this investment entail? Well, roughly, uh, it was uh, the contract's sort of floating around the Internet right now. So I, I think everybody pretty much knows what the sums are. But for your listeners who haven't seen it, it was roughly around $56,000 a month. Well, that's not bad. Now, in looking at MUFON, how were your finances? Up to the point that you get this $56,000 offer per month, how were you doing? Well, MUFON is pretty much uh, always operated on a, on a slim budget. Uh, with the monies coming in from membership and for merchandise sales, uh, just covering expenses, the operational expenses uh, of salaries and getting the MUFON journal out, there was really never... Uh, any substantial money left over to actually do research or to do investigations. So we're, you know, MUFON has always been that way in the last 40 years. They've been operating on a very slim budget. I think uh, it's uh, because of this recession that hit everybody hard. Um, merchandise and membership fell, not a lot, but but, but significantly. So and, basically the membership fees pay to print the magazine – to finance, I guess, an office, but not really to conduct field investigations. So what do you do? Just have volunteers do it? All the investigation was volunteer-based, so these volunteers would, on their own time and their own money, would go out and investigate these UFO cases. Okay, so this must have been a big boon. Suddenly you have this guy with the big deep pockets, and he's giving you $56,000 a month. What did he require in exchange for that money? Well, I think that became one of the sticking points of the contract because the contract specifically stated it was for uh, MUFON's investigative services and access to our files. But in terms of what those deliverables were, it was vague and, and sort of open-ended. But at the same time, it was a straightforward purchase agreement. Uh, and so my concern early on when negotiating the contract was, what happens if we don't spend $56,000 in a month? And I posed that question directly to Mr. Bigelow. And he said, well, it's a straightforward purchase contract. The money belongs to MUFON. Okay, so they're getting all your case files. Now, is this information that is already public, or is there confidential information that was involved in this agreement? Well, there was confidential information, so there were two concerns. One was uh, historical case files where there was witness information, and so we had to be careful about what, which case files we could release to Bass. Uh, the second was the current case files when somebody reported a current UFO sighting. So what we did there is we, we sort of covered ourselves legally by requiring the witness to elect whether or not they were going to release their information to third parties, in this case being Bass. All right. Now, is this one of the things that was the straw that broke the camel's back that made you want to resign? What were they doing behind your back? Well, what happened was there were two renewal periods built into the contract. Uh, so after five months of, of performing these services, the contract was under revision or under renewal in, in June of 2009. But the provisions in the contract stated that they could either continue the contract at the same uh, uh, contract price per month, they could increase funding, or they could terminate the contract. And they elected to do a fourth option, which was not in, the, in, in legal terms in the contract itself, 
and they decided to reduce the, the contract monthly amount in half. Okay, why? <laughs> because at that point, uh, MUFON had accumulated, uh, I think it was somewhere around $150,000 in the bank of, of project money that we had not spent. Uh, and, and Mr. Bigwell said, well, we think you should be spending that money on, on services that, that directly benefit us. So basically, there was no provision in the. He, he thought there was no provision in the contract for for MUFON to to have a profit or to get profit from the contract. Okay, so basically, you're getting this money every month to perform investigations, and it's going in the bank. Well, we were paying we were paying for whatever operational expenses we needed to for the high priority cases for that month. So it was a, a substantial amount of money. Uh, we were only going to field investigators for those cases that were worth it. It wasn't like we were trying to skimp or save. We were doing as much as we could based on the caseload that was coming in. Uh, it was just a lot of money that we didn't expect uh, we could spend the whole amount in a single month. Okay, we'll get into more of this in a moment. James Carrion joining us, former international director of the Mutual UFO Network. And neighbors, if you have a question or a comment about the Paracast, write us, news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. We read every letter we get. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Hello, folks. This is Steve Shank. This week, we introduced a new product from eFoods Direct, corn chowder. And let me tell you, its homemade flavor is absolutely amazing. You know eFoods, we've brought you the best food on the planet for years. As you know, we pioneered a line of quick-fix meals that are super easy to fix. 
Obviously, winter is upon us. You can save 20% on the wonderful soup and bakery special. It's a lot of food for less than a dollar a serving. It includes the new corn chowder I told you about and the other wonderful soups. It also includes the delicious cornbread muffins and buttermilk biscuits to go with the soup. So you have great food you can serve this winter or jumpstart your food savings account for the future. Saving 20%. Call 800-409-5633 on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex. That's 800-409-5633 or on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex. Did you know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses can not survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great Talk Radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. We return. Part two. James Carrion is our guest, former international director of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. And we're looking at this agreement from Robert Bigelow to fund their investigations. So were you basically forced to spend $56,000 a month no matter what? Or he didn't think in terms of this being a long-term investment that maybe you don't need it this month but six months down the pike, there's a landing. You got to rush out, people. Well, I, th- I think that was the, the big point of contention because in our early negotiations with Bass, we wanted clarification on um, these leftover monies. So legally, we did not have to spend the money that left over at the end of the month on project expenses. That that was Mufon's money. The the way that Mr. Bigelow saw it though was, well, we don't want you accumulating that money in the bank. That's none of the spirit of our agreement, whatever that means, spirit of the agreement. And he said, okay, we're just going to reduce the what we're going to what we're going to send you in half, which was fine because keep in mind we had one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank. So they cut they cut the expense, the uh, the checks in half, and it did meet our operational expenses each month. The problem was that when October of two thousand nine rolled around and we were in our second renewal period, at that point they decided to not send checks altogether. Uh, and the project didn't finish until February, so all of the operational expenses after October came from from the bank account. But Sounds like he's changing the game midstream. I mean, it doesn't sound like that was uh, a provision in the contract. It's like, isn't the contract null and void at that point? 
that was my point of view, and that's what I argued with the board. But uh, I guess the MUFON board of directors, they saw this uh, as a unique relationship that they didn't want to place into jeopardy, and they saw it as a long-term funding source. So they basically allowed Mr. Bigelow to invalidate his own contract. Well, and I can see why, uh, how that could be a real problem, not only legally in terms of contractual agreements, but in terms of kind of a micromanaging uh, situation that, that suddenly is looming. It's almost like uh, Bigelow and Bass then started dictating exactly how uh, the whole process was going to go down, which was above and beyond the, the actual languaging of the contract. So, so what did you do at that point? Well, you know, at that point, I deferred to the board. The, the majority decision of the board was to go ahead and accept Mr. Bigelow's terms. So we received um, a reduction in funds, uh, half of the contractual price from June till October. And the problem was when October rolled around and they stopped sending checks altogether, uh, that's when I, I told the board, uh, well, first of all, I informed the board that I was going to step down as international director. And second, I handed over the renegotiation of the BAS contract or any future negotiations to one of the other board members to handle. Uh, at, at that point, I was pretty much done and disgusted with this relationship. Well, that, that brings up the obvious question of what's it like for a nonprofit organization that, that's been serving the public, basically. I mean, the public is your, is your market in terms of the information that you're collecting. Uh, it sounds like you had to deal with somebody horning in and dictating exactly how this entire relationship and the process, which then rubs off on the the MUFON, you know, way of doing things. It sounds like he was trying to pretty much muscle in and take over. Well, it was interesting um, the way that came about because at the beginning, in our initial negotiations, Mr. Bigelow specifically stated that he didn't want to see this contract as managing MUFON or having anything to say in the management of MUFON. But that's exactly the way it ended up. Uh, because by changing the terms and controlling the purse strings uh, and then getting the board to uh, then cave into his demands, it's exactly what happened. The, the board forgot who they owed their allegiance to. It wasn't to a for-profit corporation. Uh, it's to the public. That's what a nonprofit exists for, is to serve the public. Sounds like hostage-taking, I think would be the clinical term for it. Well, this is really unfortunate that, uh, once again, we have, you know, deep pockets coming in, throwing some money around and expecting to uh, circumvent, you know, the way things have been done for X amount of years and then sort of instilling their own program, their own agenda into the whole situation. So this this was pretty much the last straw for you uh, is what I'm hearing then. Well, I can see the writing on the wall uh, after the June renewal that things just weren't on the up and up. Uh, so I had, I had informed the board well in advance I would be stepping down, but I would stay on until the project uh, was finished, which was my plan. I was going to relinquish the national director position to, to Clifford Cliff in, as of March 1st, which uh, was right around the time the contract was going to end. Uh, but then this, these secret negotiations happened in late January that caused my premature resignation. I'm curious here, why would they want to engage in these negotiations behind your back? What was the end game here? Well, I think the end game for them was they, what happened was that uh, the Bass auditors came, the Bass uh, folks came in and said, hey, we, we hear rumors that um, project money is being embezzled or something's being mismanaged. So we'd like a, a copy of the, of the books. And not only did Jan Harzen, board member, hand over the Bass books, in other words, the books that were related to the project, 
he, he handed over MUFON's uh, operational books. So he, he gave these auditors uh, access to MUFON's accounting, uh, which they had no right to be looking at. Uh, and they turned around and, and found all of these very ridiculous uh, clerical errors. For example, a check was entered here with the wrong number. This expense was mislabeled. And they came back and, and they basically told MUFON, we have, uh, we really have no confidence in MUFON's ability to handle a project like this. So at that point, the board panicked because they thought, oh, we're going to lose our funding source here. So what they did is they turned around and they tried to scapegoat me as the person who mismanaged it. Okay, how far back did they go through these books? Was it just through the period in which they invested in MUFON or before that? And who also was actually doing the books for you? Well, we had, we, uh, MUFON was using QuickBooks to, uh, for accounting. So there were two different sets of books. Uh, one was uh, MUFON's uh, uh, books that went back to when I took over in 2006. And, and what really irks me is that uh, after I left, uh, Clifford Cliff said that I was, I was not doing proper accounting. Uh, the records were, were in disarray. Yet when I took over MUFON in 2006, the, the accounting consisted of a manual checkbook. So it really irked me because we, we sort of turned around and tried to uh, make sure that every specific financial transaction was entered into QuickBooks uh, and that it was all properly accounted for. What they did is they turned over both set of books, which included MUFUN's finances all the way back to 2006. Okay, so when you come in, it's just a checkbook, a ledger, and that's it? That's it. Okay, so this organization has been around for then 35 or so years, and that's what the books were. Just bare bones. Correct. Okay. So you put it onto QuickBooks. You want this to be using a computerized program. So they were looking at the errors made before you got things moved over to the computerized system. No, there were there were some uh, there were some errors in our books. We entered every single transaction in the books, and so of course um, you know there's going to be clerical errors of one for, of one form or another, uh, and there were some balancing issues. But the bottom line is that it was nothing there, – there was no embezzlement of money. There was no misappropriation of funds. In fact, after the Bass auditors had their go with it, then Clifford Cliff turned around and found an independent CPA firm to come in and audit again. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of that in a moment. James, carry on. Former director of MUFON joining us, Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month our clubs work with everyone's budget plus when you join freeze dry guy clubs you'll get additional rewards for example this month get 10 percent back in survival bucks on all purchases in the freeze dry guy product line plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount hurry go to freeze dry or call 866-404-3663 that's freeze dry or call 866-404-3663 the freeze dry guy the best you can buy We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209 and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Bud Hopkins, and you're listening to the Paracast, and I completely enthusiastically endorse this program. It's an absolutely great program with an opportunity to stretch out and talk. We return talking about what's going on at MUFON. James Carrion, former international director, joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so Clifford Clift, after their auditors leave, he hires another auditing firm. What did they determine? Well, it was interesting because they, they came out and they said, well, we don't see any, any problems at all. With there's, There hasn't been any embezzlement of funds. Every dollar is accounted for. But they, they tried to uh, state that, for example, in, in, a, in the 2008 MUFON Symposium, 
where there was a financial loss that the how I had documented that loss was was not correct that there was an actual actual greater loss and you know so I was being accused of not doing proper financial record keeping I said well let me see your auditor reports and uh, they refused to hand them over to me so they they basically were waiving this audit audit team uh, these auditing reports in front of the MUFON membership saying, well, thank God we got in here and fixed this because there's, there are problems. But they never actually released those auditing reports for me to verify whether any of it was actually properly done. Do you think you were being ambushed? Oh, absolutely. I, I think I was being scapegoated. I think what the MUFON board was trying to do was saying, okay, yes, we have problems. Our problem is James. And once he's out, we're in charge. We promise uh, that we'll get things uh, back in order. I mean, it what irked me the most, uh, to be honest, was the letter they sent to Bass, where they offered Bass complete transparency. Those were the actual that was, those are the actual words: complete transparency. So here they were they were doing this behind the back of the acting national director. Uh, they didn't inform the membership, but they were offering complete transparency to a for-profit corporation. Well, we, I, I will pick up. Who is the treasurer uh, of the international uh, organization at this point? I mean, shouldn't the treasurer? be the one that's uh, dealing with all this uh, type of, you know, financial sort of uh, inquiries and, and, and whatnot? Oh, sure, absolutely. The, the, the treasurer is a board member, Tom Whitmore. And the interesting thing about this is that um, in financial reports I submitted to the board uh, in summer of uh, 2009 and even the fall of 2009, uh, we knew that there were some problems with the books in terms of balances. For example, we knew our bank account was positive, but the, the QuickBooks were showing some some negative numbers, and we were trying to figure out what those were. So an audit was was due for sure, an independent audit. Uh, but the treasurer, rather than do that, they decided to do it after they had um, released the books to Bass when they should have done it beforehand. Let's look at the line of demarcation here. You are international director. You have a treasurer. Isn't the treasurer responsible for the condition of the organization's books? Well, technically, that's the way it should be. Uh, but I think what's always happened is the international director has always been responsible for handling the books and the day-to-day finances. And um, basically, the financial reports would go to the board, to the treasurer, and, and they would sign off on it. So basically, we're signing off on uh, reports that, that show some discrepancies in the accounting Nothing that was nefarious or there was no wrongdoing. It was just uh, the way QuickBooks uh, maintained the records. Um, so it was just, it was basically, they were saying, okay, well, we believe you that there's nothing wrong and going on. But then at the same time, they were, they were telling Bass, yes, there is something wrong. Oh, so they're talking out both sides of their mouth. Let me ask you about the position of International Director of MUFON. Is this a salaried position or a volunteer position? It's a salary position. It's, it's always been a salary position. It's a full-time job? It is. Okay. Now, what was your background before you got into MUFON as a salaried international director? What were you doing? Well, I've always been in the computer field. I own a computer training company, um, uh, so I've always been in computers one way or the other. So I, basically, I run my own business, um, and so I have a business background and, and sort of school of hard knocks. Uh, and that sort of factored into uh, when I took over the international director position, getting the nonprofit and sort of business mode. So basically here, both you and your successor are business people. You're not investigators per se. Well, I actually, I, I wear many hats. I, I'm, I consider myself actually an investigator and, and, and a pretty good investigator 
especially when it's when it's coming to some of these high-profile cases like uh, the Kim Ross incident and the the Great Die Great Lake to Die Company website that came out. That was the investigator that sort of sort of sunk that boat, uh, and also been involved seriously with uh, these allegations that came out about the uh, uh, California drones and those photos. So I, I consider myself to be a high-level investigator and, and a pretty good investigator, and at the same time, I'm also a businessman. I was going to say, and also your work on the Stan Romanek case, uh, I think should be mentioned as well in passing. <laughs> I love that, the, the, the way you found the... Uh, the misspelling of the word follow uh, in <laughs> in context to uh, supposed uh, additional reports that supported Roman X uh, citing report. And then uh, you found the same word misspelled in supposedly other people's reports uh, that corroborated his initial report. He was writing his own good reviews. <laughs> yeah, I sort of been banned from the uh, Roman X fan club. Uh, I would imagine. Uh, all right, continue. I didn't mean to digress there, but uh, I thought I'd point that one out because I, I do doff my hat to you on that particular catch. Let me ask you here, during the course of time that you were getting money from Robert Bigelow and his people, did you actually accomplish anything other than just have a big, humongous headache with all this extra money sitting around? Did you make some meaningful progress in terms of investigations? Well, the, there was uh, some some meaningful progress. The meaningful progress was to be able to take a high priority case uh, and be able to get rapid responders there uh, quickly, just in case there was any physical evidence to collect. Now, a lot of times, MUFON would would respond to a case and get there a week later. By that time, every other investigator has picked it over curiosity seekers, and and so physical evidence would end up getting trampled or uh, misappropriated. And so the, the thought was get get investigators there quickly uh, and, and get them and pay them to do that so they respond quickly and then try to secure the physical evidence uh, just as quickly. The information you got during this period, did you publish it or was it just given to Bigelow to hide? Well, the information was given to Bigelow, but then we would also take the case reports and they would be in, in our, our case management system for anybody to see. Uh, and then some of those that were of interest would also publish in the New Fund Journal. Now, was there any one or two specific really hot cases that came out of these investigations? Well, there were, there were a couple of uh, cases. Uh, there was a, a, a craft that, that uh, I forget the state that it was in so long ago, but it, it flew over the head of this gentleman, and uh, he experienced uh, radiation-type sickness after that. Um, so there were some blood samples taken, I believe, sent to labs. Um, and I, I believe there, there may have been a, a close encounter case somewhere. The, the thing is that I was so busy running MUFON, I wasn't really on top of the actual caseload. Our director of investigations took care of that. Uh, but I know there were a couple of significant cases. Do you recall the test results from these blood tests? Uh, to be honest, I don't. Okay. You split from MUFON. Did you at least shake hands or did you just say goodbye, good luck, go away or what? Oh no! My my uh, resignation was immediate, so I didn't I didn't show my face in the office again after that. So you got uh, no severance pay. There was no severance pay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of my days back in radio, in commercial radio, where they would call me into the office, hand me a check, and say, 
goodbye, good luck, go find another job, we don't want you anymore. Boy, that, that just sounds weird, Gene. Severance pay and MUFON in the same sentence. I'm not sure. Uh, wow. James, you know, I mean, this begs the question. I mean, what, what are your personal feelings? You know, being there from the get-go when uh, Bigelow approaches MUFON and in light of some of the other acquisitions that he's uh, been, you know, Brian Vike's site, for instance, uh, HBCC, uh, wrangling the FAA, UFO reports. Uh, what is your feelings about Bigelow and his agenda? I mean, do you, can you share any, uh, any thoughts about uh, why he's going this, uh, this route of, of trying to obtain as much data? He's, he's like casting a very uh, large net and backing it up with money. I mean, what, what are your feelings about that? And before you answer that question, we have James Carrion. Joining us, Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. There's mounting evidence suggesting that there are people, governments, corporations, and whole professions intent on short-circuiting humanity's well-being. GMO, food legislation protecting big agriculture, the attempted elimination of vitamins and alternative medicines, it seems their hand has been tipped. They want to dictate your health, wealth, and your longevity. Whatever the outcome, we have a solution. Wild edible food. Why worry about food when all has been provided? We imagine that we were ejected from the garden and never invited back, but the garden's still here. There is an endless wild abundance which grows all over our green earth, just waiting for you to wake up and see it. Let author Linda Runyon teach you how to see, know, get, prepare, store, and eat wild edible food. Save money, add nutrition, and ignore the noise when you go shopping in nature's supermarket. Go to ofthefield.com and get started today. Or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. 
That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and begin to see a different world. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis and I'm 66 years old and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305, 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We do that every so often, neighbors. We have cliffhangers. We've been joined by James Carrion, former director of the Mutual UFO Network. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. The question on the table, James. Okay, are you ready to answer? I am. My personal feelings about what's going on here, to be honest, I think that when, when an organization like MUFON starts operating outside the box, uh, in the case of MUFON, this was forming a, this uh, star team, this rapid response team, which we didn't really have the money to put out in the field. Uh, but we said, well, well, we'll just go ahead and do it anyway, and, and uh, hopefully the funds will show up. And then all of a sudden, we were getting these offers uh, from Mr. Bigelow to, to employ that same star team on doing UFO investigations. I'm, we don't even know, or, or I don't think any of the board members except for John Schuster knows, whose money really was behind that project. Uh, because it wasn't Bigelow's money. We know that it was some sponsors, some third-party sponsors that uh, he revealed to John, but he wouldn't reveal to the rest of the board. Okay, I'm getting confused here. So we have Bigelow's Whoa. money, but now we have something else that was funded, your own research project. No, I'm sorry. Let, let me uh, let me clarify that. Okay, sure. The, the MUFON Bass project, what we were just talking about, this $56,000 a month, this was not... This was this is not come out of Mr. Bigelow's bank account. These were sponsors that were giving him the money to then forward the move on. Okay, so uh, he was basically the intermediary. Exactly. He but he won't money. say who those people were. Well, he did reveal who they were, allegedly, to John Schuessler. John, by the way, is a former international director of MUFON. Right. But he had John sign a non-disclosure agreement, and therefore John would not reveal that to the rest of the board. But I did, in our initial negotiations with Bass, when I flew out to his headquarters in Vegas, I point-blank asked him, is this government money? And uh, Mr. Bigwell stated no. Hmm. The one question I have at the beginning of this is, why did they pick MUFON? Because you were one of the few major organizations doing any kind of research at all? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to put on my very skeptical aliens don't exist uh, hat here, which is kind of strange for a former international director of MUFON to state that, and just look at it from a mundane, very terrestrial point of view. Um, if we look at, for example, what the U.S. Air Force is doing and some of its contractors, 
in terms of developing uh, new aircraft, new stealth fighters, new stealth bombers. These uh, projects, a lot of them are special access projects uh, using black money, and they have a substantial budget they set aside for security. So my my feeling is that as part of uh, this the security fund is is trying to for well two things keep the public from knowing what's being developed and and more importantly keep our enemies our foreign enemies from knowing what's being developed. So I have a feeling that they're sort of hijacking the UFO phenomena, pushing UFO myth. Uh, in an attempt to uh, try to, when somebody sees something flying around that, that looks strange, blame it on aliens instead of what it really is, a high-tech uh, stealth fighter. Okay, uh, isn't that also part of the legend of Area 51, that Area 51, you know, we said, hey, it's a place where they're keeping evidence about UFOs, crash saucers, but really it was a place where they were testing secret weapons, stealth fighters, things like that. Absolutely, and so this is where we get all of the bunk surrounding Bob Lazar and surrounding Area 51 and, and the EBEs that are allegedly being kept there. And it's a lot of this, this, this mythology that's being pushed by uh, folks within, I believe, within the intelligence community to, to sort of muddy the waters and, and to get people believing uh, in, in this stuff. Okay. All right. I gather that you've become more and more of a skeptic over time, but we'll get into that in a moment. So the theory being here that Bigelow was getting some money from the government to kind of muddy the waters. Well, that's that's all I can conclude at this point, because not knowing who his sponsors are and looking at the timing of all this, where we're moving was starting to uh, possibly field a rapid response force. I mean, imagine that if MUFON got a, a call coming in that says, hey, something crashed in my backyard, and we were to get there first, and it wasn't an alien craft, it was the latest stuff fighter, uh, they didn't, they wouldn't like that too much, the, the, the Air Force or, or its contractors. So I think uh, they saw that as a, a sort of a, a threat, uh, not to mention uh, they also saw it as a, thought, uh, saw as a threat. MUFON's uh, immediate, uh, our, our website where you could report a, a UFO and it would show up on our website and show you exactly where it was happening and somebody halfway across the world could monitor that uh, and it became sort of instant intelligence for the Russians or the Chinese. So I so, think there was a control issue here. Okay, so they were afraid that they're testing secret weapons and these secret weapons will be mistaken for UFOs. MUFON reports that information and now the Chinese and the Russians and Al-Qaeda all know about it. Well, it's not, not just reporting. If, imagine if we were to happen upon a crash and, and, and collecting uh, high-composite uh, material and, and other things. In other words, they had a containment issue, and there was a control issue here. And, and these intelligence agencies are absolutely obsessed with control. Well, so, okay, but if we have a secret weapon, we assume you know, technology may be greater than what we have now, but certainly if you see a crashed object of some kind it looks like an air force plane or something or something it's ours we just call the proper authorities we wouldn't necessarily think it's a ufo would we no but there but then there's still a containment issue because uh what happens if uh, mufon uh, investigators uh, show up and carry off some of these pieces uh, and hide them or pass them on to friends i mean the bottom line is they want to control this material very carefully but has it ever happened ever not to my uh, not to my knowledge. I do know that uh, there was a, a UFO report uh, that showed up on our website where somebody took a, a photo of, of a stealth aircraft, a stealth vehicle flying over a lake, 
uh, a match. I think it was called the uh, the Black Star the Black Star Project. So they took a photo, and that was on our website. And supposedly this was a project that had been mothballed years earlier, that was flying around the atmosphere. So you can imagine. I don't know if it was uh, put up there in, as disinformation, or or somebody really took the picture, and it was it was sort of uh, oops in the wrong place at the wrong time. All right, let's go back to more of the business stuff here. All right, so you shut the door, say goodbye, good luck, I'm out of here. Now, after that happened, and, you know, we had Clifford Clift on here, and he behaved like a gentleman, but have they been ongoing bad-mouthing of you, of your tenure at the organization? Oh, absolutely. It was interesting, I got an email through a third party the other day where this uh, MUFON member said, oh, well, Clifford Cliff has assured me that uh, the MUFON finances are in order and no longer are there bank statements that uh, are still sitting, year-old bank statements that haven't been opened uh, and, and the books are properly reconciled. So, so basically what Clifford is, is going around is he's, he's portraying himself sort of as the savior of the organization, the person who's, who got MUFON back on the right track after I had screwed everything up. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of this stuff going on behind the scenes that I hear about. Okay, so publicly, it's all smiles, but behind your back, it's the backstabbing. Oh, absolutely. And I think that publicly, he's not going to say anything because I've already threatened MUFON with a libel suit. Now, from what I'm hearing, though, there have been a lot of things going on at MUFON more recently, kind of a house cleaning, state directors disappearing, being fired. What's going on there? What are you hearing? Well, there, there have been a number of state directors have been fired, and actually the, the one that surprised me the most was the state director for Colorado, Leslie Barnacle, who I've worked with uh, for a number of years, and she's performed admirably. Uh, and, and Clifford let her go and stated that was because there was a problem with her management style. Well, I think the real reason they let her go was because uh, at the symposium, the MUFON symposium this, uh, last year in 2010, uh, the board meets with uh, state directors and uh, uh, Leslie recorded the audio, the audio of that session, uh, <laughs> and that made its way to me. And then I turned around and said, okay, I, I sent an email to the board and said, listen, folks, uh, you're either going to publish in the MUFON Journal that what you said in this meeting about me is bunk, or you're looking at a libel suit. So I think after that happened, uh, they, they probably blamed Leslie for how the audio got to me. And they turned around and figured out a way to, to, to let her go. I spoke go with Leslie last night, by the way. Uh, I had quite an extensive conversation. I've known Leslie for many years, you know, having, you know, investigated for years in Colorado. I, I do know a lot of the dedicated people in ufology in the state of Colorado. Leslie Varnacle was an absolute unsung hero. Um, first of all, they, they claim that her management style was lacking, that she didn't know what she was doing uh, to some degree. And I, I believe that's what she studied in, in, in college. I think she went to business school, if, if memory serves me correct. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised that somebody who has dedicated so much of their own time, money, and, and effort and energy would be summarily dismissed like that. Uh, Chris, I puzzled pick, about it, too. Let's pick it up, Chris. We'll find out why. Why could that decision have happened? Chris O'Brien's the co-host. We're talking to James Carrion, former director of MUFON This Week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Return with us now, James Carrion, former director of MUFON, with us with a long tale to tell, and we'll be continuing it. Meanwhile, Chris took over discussing the dismissal of the state director of Colorado. Chris, let me ask you a question here because you talk with her. Now, was it proper for her to have taped this session? Was that normal to tape these sessions of the board? You know, I didn't ask her that directly, Gene, but I would think that some sort of record or log of, if not minutes, at least a recording, uh, is standard operating procedure in, in, you know, in any sort of board meeting or, you know, uh, the heads of any group would like to obviously create a record of what it is that they discuss. So, you know, this is really, I don't know, it, it, it's... It's quite Machiavellian sounding to me. Uh, okay, I'm, but the point is here, was that tape intended to get out? You see what I'm you saying? Know, it's really difficult. I think, I think what James was bringing up is the very fact that it was recorded at all was the issue uh, because the tape really didn't get out except to James. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, James. I, I'm not sure if it, if it got out to other folks. Um, not to my knowledge. Okay, yeah, so not- are they objecting that the tape got out to a third party? Is that part of the problem? Well, I'm not sure what the problem is. I, I'm just my speculation about why Leslie was like that was related to that audio tape, uh, to that audio recording, because it doesn't make sense uh, that she was let go because of her management style. Her management style has been absolutely astounding, and she's she's the person that actually successfully ran four or five MUFON symposiums uh, in the state of Colorado, international symposiums in Denver. Uh, she built up the, the membership. Uh, she did fundraising. Uh, she's been an outstanding member, so I, I, I really uh, take exception to Clifford Cliff's uh, reasoning for letting her go. Well, uh, maybe I, from what you're telling me, the real reason is she didn't like the fact, he didn't like the fact that she presented this information to you about what they said behind your back. Exactly, which then uh, was and, and is, is possibly uh, going to be the basis for a libel suit against MUFON. Okay, so what are they saying behind your back? Tell me about this tape. Well, there's, they they, uh, they were not telling the membership or the state directors the truth about the MUFON Bath project. Um, they didn't they didn't tell the membership that that they were doing these these behind the scenes the behind the scenes deal with uh, with Bass um, that I resigned because of it. Um, they also said that no no monies no Bass monies was used for MUFON operational expenses, which was not true. What happened was I was authorized to take. 
uh, salary for managing the, the Bass Project, and I didn't take that salary. I turned around and I, de- I donated it back to MUFON to cover MUFON's operational expenses. Uh, so they were, they were actually not being truthful to the membership about it. So there were a number of things that were set in there. I think one of the most damaging things, and this is not uh, liable, it's just from, from my perspective, is uh, Clifford Cliff said, well, the reason James left the organization was because he was seeking one truth, and the MUFON Board of Directors was seeking a different truth, uh, which to me is astounding. You know, well, what is the truth? Jeez. <laughs> really? Yeah, here we have yeah. an organization that claims that their mission is a scientific study of UFOs. Well, there's only one truth, and that's the, the truth that can be proven through, through science. Okay, uh, but the other point is here, you've become more skeptical of UFO reality. Is that something that really burned them a little bit? They seem to feel, you know what, he's betraying us because he doesn't believe in E.T.? Absolutely. They're, they're, well, we well have- I, I think it's a combination of that and the fact that, uh, that James has, like me and like you, Gene, suspect that... Uh, you know, the powers that be, the boys with toys and big budgets, uh, don't want certain secrets to get out. And uh, in some, you know, percentage of UFO sightings could could be uh, of some sort of security concern to the powers of be. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, James, I'm kind of speaking for you here, but uh, th- I, I think it's a, it's kind of a, a bit of a black hole in ufology about uh, you know the equation of how much people are reporting are actually very terrestrial and top secret I mean correct me sure. if I'm wrong James what do you think no I, I think I think you're absolutely right I think I think the big issue here is that um, that the MUFON board is a board of believers they they believe that UFOs <laughs> are real but they don't they don't have a terrestrial explanation they have an extraterrestrial explanation it was funny that um, when I when I did my talk at the crash retrieval conference in Vegas, on which on ruffled what, some on, feathers. Oh, absolutely! It ruffled a number of people. And, and interesting, if you watch the tape of that uh, of my speech, at the very end, there's a number of folks that get up and they they sort of uh, uh, throw the book at me. And one of them happened to be a MUFON board member. So it's um, you know these folks they are diehard believers. And, and you can't have a scientifically based organization if your personal beliefs are going to get in the way. Are, are they? Uh, are we talking diehard believers, or are we also talking about protecting certain secrets as well? Well, I'm not sure if they have a vested interest in protecting secrets, uh, the board itself. Um, but I think that uh, they're naive enough, and and they're, um, they're they believe enough. Well, well, James, I mean, for years people have been, you know, just assumed that there was some sort of mole or or government, you know, associated person that's been high up in MUFON, kind of keeping tabs of what's going on. I mean, I've always assumed that. And what's even scarier is if the government didn't have someone like that on the board or at least high up in the organization, that would be very troubling. If you know what well, I mean, I mean one sure. is, is is worse than the other. Sure. Well, I mean, I can I have suspicions, but I, I have no proof. But I do know that somebody on the board is leaking, because I, I sent a, an email message to the board, and that that message leaked out to third parties almost immediately. A fast question here. Okay, suing for libel. What rises to the level of libel in what they said about you? Well, I think probably the biggest uh, thing for me is they, they portrayed it as financial mismanagement, that I have left uh, MUFON's finances in disarray, 
that um, I did not uh, act uh, with due diligence, uh, and and basically that um, that that I was asleep on the job, and so sort of painting me as sort of the person that brought MUFON to its knees, and that's uh, not only has been been said among the MUFON membership, but there are quite a few folks outside of MUFON that picked up on that. Hmm. Yeah, that's it's not good when your your actual business acumen is called into question in that manner you know this i'm not sure you know what to make of the machinations of a group that's been established for as long as mufon has uh, it's tawdry that that this sort of thing has gone down and you know it's it's without knowing all the facts like you you do i mean you were there you experienced all this stuff you have the correspondence uh etc you know i it's hard for for gene and i obviously to cast uh, blame where it needs to go, etc. But it, it, it seems to me on the surface, what, what I'm hearing from you and from my own research is that this was, this was a, uh, a real blatant power move to continue the relationship with a third party, uh, regardless of how much influence that third party was having on the organization. And, and you were uh, kind of used as the scapegoat to... Uh, to legitimize the, you know, the furthering of that relationship. And uh, so what do you think of this? I mean, w w what are your feelings about the introduction of third parties into a group like MUFON and, and then the subsequent machinations that occur after that? Well, I think that, um, to be honest, I think if there's any control that's going to be exerted from this point forward, it's probably not going to come from outside. It's going to come from within. But now that they have the board in the shape that they want it to be, um, I think that it would be easier to, to then infiltrate the organization. And, and, and at that point, they don't really need to spend money on MUFON to get the cases they want. If they have uh, so-called volunteers on the inside, that's feeding them that, those cases uh, separately. Well, that, that brings me to this question. Now, when you go to MUFON to report a UFO sighting, I'm there right now online. Um, at the very bottom of the report form is a little box. It's pretty interesting. It's called the Witness Notice and Election for Release of Contact Information. Now, it's basically saying uh, it's asking you to agree to the release of their contact information to third parties as part of the investigation of, of their report. And then there's another box. Uh, both of these boxes are unchecked. That I mean, says I'm going to ask you a question about that, too, Chris, in a moment, and we'll go into this. We have James Carrion joining us this week. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's one 800 728 
2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Hello folks, this is Steve Shank. This week we introduced a new product from eFoods Direct, corn chowder. And let me tell you, its homemade flavor is absolutely amazing. You know eFoods, we've brought you the best food on the planet for years. As you know, we pioneered a line of quick-fix meals that are super easy to fix. Obviously, winter is upon us. You can save 20% on the wonderful soup and bakery special. It's a lot of food for less than a dollar a serving. It includes the new corn chowder I told you about and the other wonderful soups. It also includes the delicious cornbread muffins and buttermilk biscuits to go with the soup. So you have great food you can serve this winter or jumpstart your food savings account for the future. Saving 20%. Call 800-409-5633 on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex. That's 800-409-5633 or on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, are indefinitely reusable, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793, 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We have James Carrion joining us, former MUFON international director. 
Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So I'm looking at the form as you are, Chris. So can you submit a sighting without checking those boxes? I mean, it's kind of it, like well, when you go to a store, online store, like an Amazon or someone else, and you have these check boxes. Do you agree to send your name for us to send it to third parties or to send you newsletters? Can you post a report without checking those boxes? Anyone? Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking Chris that since he had the well, well, no. Yeah, I, I'm not in MUFON. You are. In other words, neither of the boxes are checked. So normally you would go to a, a, you know, a section of a, of a report form like this, and one of those boxes would be checked as a default. The way it's set up now, none of those, uh, either of those boxes, either agreeing to release the information to a third party or not agreeing to release that information to a third party, neither of those boxes are checked. Now, when I talked to Leslie Varnicle, she brought this point up, and she suggested to me on the record, and I asked her twice, uh, she suggested that there is a preliminary filter that is taking these reports, uh, cherry-picking them, basically, to a third party. Uh, do, you, do you know anything about that? Well, keep in mind that the, the election notice you're referring to at the bottom of that short form was put there explicitly for the MUFON Bass project. And that was how MUFON legally covered itself uh, when, when releasing information to Bass. So that would not even be on the form if, if the Bass project was not in effect. Exactly. But one of those boxes is not checked as a default. So, my, you know, Gene's question and my question is, what happens to that report if there is not a check mark in one of those two boxes? Is, is that legally allowing a third party to have access to those reports prior to them being posted publicly by MUFON? And who is the third party if they're no longer working with Bigelow? Well, I'm, I'm looking at the short form right now, and I would have to fill it out, put a bogus report here, just to see if it will let me continue submitting without choosing. But based on the fact that you look like radio buttons and not checkboxes, I would assume you have to pick one of the two before it will let you continue. Um, what was interesting, though, is that when Clifford Cliff was asked that same question uh, on the Joiner report, he said, well, that's not even going to Bass. We have no relationship with Bass. I think that's still there because we, we released this information to our consultants, our PhDs, uh, which is completely incorrect. MUFON doesn't need to get third-party release to send information to consultants. Uh, that information can be formed with consultants for years. A consultant is not a third party. They're part of the organization, aren't they? Absolutely. Okay, so it's still there, but you know, it's also it's a matter of web programming. Maybe they hadn't had a chance or the ability to take it down, but they did redesign the site recently, so... You wonder. Yeah, I think I think the bottom line is that the questions I posed on my blog about this particular election notice and whether or not John Schuster has a government security clearance related to Bass work, these are all questions that the board should just come out and answer explicitly. Instead, what happens is they've been dancing around the issue. They never give a straight answer, uh, and it just leads people to believe that something's going on that's nefarious. So if they, if they really want to uh, sort of put these rumors to rest, they should just come out and be open and transparent about it. Instead, they're taking sort of this cloak of secrecy on, which I really have no reason, I really don't understand why. There was another, some other state directors dismissed too, not just this woman from Colorado. That's correct. Uh, uh, there was a state director let go from Oklahoma, from Utah, Elaine Douglas, who was been on MUFON for a number of years. Of course, Ken Cherry was let go a while back. Before him, I believe the state director for North Carolina, Richard Lang, 
so there's a number of folks that were let go since since I left MUFON. What reasons were given for those people? Their management styles too? Well, I don't know about, uh, for example, Richard Lyon from North Carolina. I do know that for Ken Cherry, he went public and was very critical of MUFON, uh, I believe in some YouTube videos, uh, and Clifford and the board took exception to that and asked him to publicly apologize, which he refused to, and therefore they, they, um, they, they let him go. Oh, boy. Sounds like a bloodletting. Now, over the years that you've been following MUFON, have they had situations where state directors are suddenly thrust out? Is this more of a problem now since this happened? Well, I think I think that uh, throughout MUFON's history, uh, state directors have been let go. Most, I think, but most of those uh, were let go because they were non-performing. Even even when I was a national director. Uh, I removed some state directors who loved the title and loved the position but never did any work. Yeah. Um, but I think what we're seeing now that's much different is we're seeing sort of a closing yeah, of the ranks. Yeah, it's a purge. It's a purge. We're seeing a closing of the ranks where the board is trying to form a certain image for MUFON, and if there are any uh, folks that don't meet that image or if there are any voices of dissent, uh, they're sort of being kicked out and, and so that uh, the board has sort of has, has this unified voice, uh, and there's no dissent within the ranks. Yeah, it's a 501c3. They can get away with it too. It doesn't have to go to the membership. That's correct. It's not a democratically run organization. So they can say you're out, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well they demote you to journal <laughs> subscriber status. They get JS. We should mention, by the way, <laughs> that this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. None other than our old friend Jim Mosley, the editor of Saucer Smear. He went through a whole thing with MUFON. You know, over the years, he knew Walter Andrus, the original director, where they wouldn't even let him be a member. Finally, he convinced them to let him join. Then they make him like an associate state regional director for the county in which Key West, Florida is located. And he was dismissed because he never produced any signing reports. And he said, because there weren't any. You know, he was keeping, you know, watch and nothing was happening. They dismissed him and they relegated him to the title of journal subscriber or JS. That's the story. I, I still get a laugh out of reading Saucer Smear. And uh, <laughs> I forget who it was that described Jim as the the pimple on the ass of ufology. Yeah, John Keel. Yes. <laughs> John Keel, yes. Yeah, no, a boil on the ass of ufology. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's the court jester. I mean, you have to give him his due. He's been involved in this field over 50 years, and, boy, he's seen him come and go. And, uh, you know, James, I think you you brought up the T word, a very important word, I think, to uh, keep in mind when we're dealing with this whole nefarious scenario, and that is transparency. Um, we're dealing with an organization that now is digitized finally, could you imagine what would have happened back in the 70s if a tornado hit Walt Andrus's garage in Seguin? We would have had MUFON reports scattered across the Midwest. And it's good. And, and under your direction, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were the one that really spearheaded the digitization of, of the MUFON, uh, you know, well, obviously Bigelow thinks it's worth something or his sponsors do. I mean, it's a very valuable you know, log of information. Uh, it's a database that's, uh, you know, it's wonderful. Now people can go and they can do uh, word searches in the CMS system. And, they don't and have to that. look up files in a file cabinet somewhere like 
APRO. You know, well, we don't want well, to get into Walt's, that. Walt's garage. He had all the MUFON files, somebody told me, in his garage. I can believe that, you know. We're talking to James Carrion. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. This is Alex Jones with five good reasons you should consider buying a solar power generator. Number one, new climate legislation could easily double or triple your electric bill. Number two, our new energy czar wants to control how much power your electric company allows you to have. It's true. Total government control of electricity in the name of smart grid technology is coming. Number three, in some areas of the country, the power grid is dangerously overloaded. And now, new socialist legislation is only compounding the problem. Number four, dangerous weather is always a threat to local grids. Every year, thousands of families lose their power from weather-related outages. Number five, a solar power generator provides powerful backup insurance and peace of mind. Folks, I really believe in the solar power generators offered by Solutions from Science, one of my oldest sponsors. You can get more information at www.mysolarbackup.com. That's mysolarbackup.com. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun, so go to mysolarbackup.com or call 1-877-327-0365. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high-energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps 
helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Hilly Rose, and I hope that you do listen to the Paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal. We return. James Carrion joins us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So up till the time the records were computerized, was it like that, just the old file cabinets and file folders and stuff like that, James? Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, not only that, it was in sort of complete disarray. So what I proposed to the board was what I termed the Pandora Project, and they gave me the go-ahead to take all those files and properly organize them and case number them and, and, uh, and then digitize them. So we, all of MUFON's uh, domestic files uh, from the U.S. Were, were digitized, and they're in PDF, completely searchable. They've also been distributed out to all the states, so each state director got all the historical case files for their own state. And then, of course, some, when MUFON's website went up, from that point forward, it was no longer paper files, it was all web-based. So, yeah, MUFON is in, is in possession of an enormous amount of information, um, but, you know, having gone through most of these historical files, I think there's something like 13,000 of them, I've got to say that what, what concerns me about move on past and even move on present is sort of the lack of evidentiary standards that I saw from not properly validating who the witness is, not even asking for something as simple as an ID. So I think that you know, what we're seeing here is that people are reporting or MUFON's reporting system. We don't know how much of what's in there are real reports or they're just bogus reports. Uh, and we don't know how much uh, that system is being used by the powers to be for disinformation. Well, the first part is the issue of concern, which, of course, is validation of reports. Before you even decide if there's a mystery to be solved, you've got to go through the stuff that's not there. But if MUFON doesn't have investigative resources... You know, they have just enough money except for this project to kind of keep the thing going. They're depending on state volunteers to do the local investigation. And the other aspect, of course, is training. And, of course, we have this kind of very basic training, but are the people who join MUFON and want to become investigators, do they get training sufficient to allow them to really do anything? No, it's sort of, it's pretty much self-training. MUFON has an investigator's manual that they sell and, um, new investigators will study that and then take a test, uh, and that's sort of the extent of their certification. But there's no real um, requirement for training or, or having a continuing education of any sort. Um, I, I think for me, though, the, the, the big problem is there, there, it's the methodology being used. When you have investigators going out to the field uh, and they don't actually verify witness identity, I, I think a lot of times in the past we pretty much – uh, accepted at face value that somebody reporting a UFO was an honest person. Well, how do we know who these people really are if we're not asking uh, for any sort of identification? Uh, you know, just basic stuff that you would see in law enforcement when wow. somebody's 
reporting, uh, you know, a crime or, or something out of the ordinary. Wow. I mean, that's investigation 101. You have to verify who it is that you're talking to. Uh, I would think that's – it's a formality, but, you know, it definitely has to be done. Oh, absolutely. And, and we know that there are, are disinformation agents out there. We know that there are folks in the government. In fact, when we were doing the MUFON Bass project uh, – You know what? Let me ask you that. Let me ask you to explain that better, okay, before we go on. We know – how do we know we have this disinformation group of agents? Well, let, because I've been the subject of that. In other words, we've had people, uh, well, I'll give you an example. For example, on MUFON's message board, which is now defunct, uh, we had people posting on there saying, I'm a former MUFON member, and uh, I believe that uh, MUFON is uh, going to hell in a handbasket. And, and essentially criticizing MUFON to no end. Well, when I turn around and say, hey, as a former member, can you give me your name and give me your ID so I can check up on you? And then they didn't show up on the board again. So when, when you know, called to the carpet and they, and they don't actually uh, confirm their identity, well, they're not there. We're, we're just talking folks trolling around on, on message boards. These are people making specific claims. So it seems to me that's sort of the agent provocateur that I talked about in my, in my blog. Um, another example would be during the Move on Bass project. I had a, a gentleman call up claiming to be an Air Force colonel and uh, out of Vegas, no less, uh, and saying, hey, we're, uh, we'd like you to send out our, your MUFON uh, star team here because we think that there's uh, UFO activity over Vegas. And the first thing I said is, well, before we send out our star team, why don't you tell me a little bit more about your background as an Air Force colonel, to which you then hung up. So we, we, we have these folks, these strange characters that pop up out of the woodwork making claims, uh, the claims never pan out, and I don't think there's folks out there that do this for fun. I think this, this is purposely being done to, to sort of keep us on our toes and to send us down the wrong rabbit holes and to muddy the waters we're in. Ouch. I mean, let me think. Uh, colonels, Air Force colonels in Las Vegas. Oh, I can think of one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I think uh, I think Vegas was described as the uh, new spook capital of the world, and um, I don't doubt that. And where is Bass's headquarters? In Las Vegas. Hmm. It's funny how that works. Well, uh, you know, James, I, I you know one one question that's kind of been looming over this entire uh, conversation is is. You know, other than clearing your name and really trying to set the record straight, I mean, what can you possibly hope to accomplish by coming out publicly and laying your version of, of events, which I have been able to, uh, you know, in my own way, in my own back channel research, uh, you know, I've been able to verify some of the claims that you're making here, at least to a journalistic uh, standard. And what do you what do you think needs to be done with MUFON? I mean, what could possibly, uh, what good can come from you coming forward like this? Well, I think that um, hopefully the good that can come out of it is the membership can uh, sort of uh, um, voice their opinion about what's happening within their organization uh, because the, the current MUFON board, with, with any sort of lack of ethics and principles, uh, they're going to sink the organization before long. I think they're going to lose their nonprofit status. I think that uh, as word gets out that um, um, of all of these back behind the door deals uh, with third parties uh, and, and state directors being let go because they voiced dissent, that people are going to stop tr 
trusting MUFON uh, as the place to send their UFO reports. And, and, and the bottom line is MUFON uh, is a good organization, and there are a lot of good volunteers, but the problem is, is the current leadership. So we're hoping, or I'm hoping, that the leadership uh, either mends its ways or is replaced. Well, that's one thing I'm going to ask you here, and you know, I'm talking in general here. The membership, do they have any power to vote upon directors? No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> the directors appoint directors. Okay, so it is not a democracy. Not a democracy. No. Okay, so basically the only way you can vote is with your feet. You don't renew your membership, and so the organization can't get funding, so the organization disappears. Absolutely. So is that your intent here? I mean, how can you make MUFON improve if you have a director and a staff of directors and an international director who, you know, has this particular point of view and approach? This is what they want to do. It's my way or the highway. How do you change that? Well, you can change that. So, so the bottom line is it's up to the MUFON board to decide whether they're going to change or not. Uh, if they're going to... Um, you know, disregard uh, what the membership is saying and, and sort of just listen to their to their own peers on the board. Uh, I think I think what's going to happen is that they're going to see a significant drop in um, in membership, and also uh, what they're going to see is the IRS breathing down their neck, wondering why they're not performing their mission of serving the public. Well, that's another thing too. Here is the IRS even going to care? You know, this is just a UFO organization. Big deal. It's a bunch of crazies. They have to really do something that's blatantly illegal. I mean, if you went through every one of these nonprofit organizations, I'm sure you're going to find a lot of really weird stuff going on. But it's very seldom, and it has to be really blatant for the IRS to really care about what they're doing, how they're doing, and whether to withdraw their certification. And even then, you know, it may take years to accomplish that task. We have James Carrion. He was a former director of the Mutual UFO Network. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, one 804 my tv The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call one 804 my tv right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation and the best part the pristine digital picture and sound call 1-877-804-MY-TV so what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-877-804-MY-TV 1-877-804-MY-TV disable the cable cut costs and get more call 1-877-804-MY-TV 1-877-804-MY-TV 
For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power, but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 346-6829. That's 800 34 no tax Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. James Carrion, our guest. Chris O'Brien, the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. You know, when we announced your appearance on the Paracast, James, we mentioned this in our forums, and a lot of questions have been asked, and maybe, Chris, you could pick up on some of those questions 
and follow through some of the areas we haven't covered so far? I can do that. I, I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, so uh, you know, some of the questions have already been addressed. But uh, here, let me go here real quick. And while I'm uh, going to the question thread here, James, I have been watching and reading and, and watching you and listening to you on, on podcasts uh, over the past year. And I really get a sense that you've become – in a sense, more conservative and more skeptical over, you know, the entirety of the UFO phenomenon. Why don't you give us a little idea of where your head's at? I mean, you were there in the hot seat, the largest and oldest civilian organization, uh, you know, logging reports of UFOs. And so you had a, you know, a frontline sort of view on it. How has this altered your thinking? I, why don't you kind of give us a, a summation of, of where your head is at right now in terms of, of identifying this phenomenon and, and your feelings about it? Well, I, I think that um, over the years, um, being in ufology, and especially when I was in the international director, as the international director of MUFON, I was sort of in, in sort of observation mode, just trying to understand uh, what was going on, who, who was involved, uh, what was happening, and, and the more I started to observe, the more I, I, I got the feeling that what I was seeing was like a magic show in Vegas, where you go, and, and if you didn't know any better that you were watching a magic show, you would be shocked to hell at what you were seeing on stage. And I think that's sort of the feeling I was getting while I was in the organization, that it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Uh, I wasn't seeing any real hard scientific evidence. I was seeing a lot of deception. A lot of uh, stories that never panned out, a lot of characters that never panned out, a lot of involvement by these, uh, what I call the usual suspects, that seem to have one foot in the intelligence community and the other foot in, in, in ufology, and trying to make it all add up, it just didn't. So, so I thought, you know, I'm going to start digging and doing my own research, and I did some original research that goes all the way back to 1947 when this phenomenon started, uh, at least in the public eye, and as I started doing my research... Uh, what I thought was, hey, I've stumbled onto something here that's uh, that's big, and it's not alien-related. It's humans deceiving humans on a grand scale, uh, something that goes all the way back to the very beginning, uh, back to, 19, to uh, June and July of 1947. So when I left MUFON, my thought was, rather than try to tackle the whole subject, I'm just going to tackle this small area in that two-month time frame, because I, my feeling is that Kenneth Arnold, Maury Island, Roswell, all events that happened and are documented, there, there were forces there that uh, I believe that had nothing to do with real UFOs flying around. I think there was something on a grand deception scale, something we haven't seen uh, since World War II when, when we were deceiving the, uh, the Axis powers. Okay, but I'm going to ask you one key question before we go into this grand conspiracy. And that is, you know, UFO researchers can point to cases going back centuries, not just 1947 or during World War II or just before, but going back many, many years, you can't say that was a grand conspiracy of this sort. Well, they can point to evidence, they can point to stories, and that's all they are, is stories. Um, sure, you, you can go back and say the aliens built the pyramids, but we have no, no evidence of that. And just because strange phenomena was being witnessed in the sky, uh, it doesn't mean that it's one continuous phenomena uh, up until this day. So I think what happens is everybody wants to throw throw everything into the large UFO bucket. Uh, and right. And that leads me that leads me to question number one. And, and this is uh, by trained observer. It addresses this subject perfectly. What do you believe the chances are 
that the various popular beliefs about UFOs are primarily the creations of the intelligence agencies of various nations used to obfuscate and control information about classified terrestrial technology. Okay, that's question one. And if so, how much of, of what co constitutes popular UFO mythology should be rejected outright? Thanks, well, trained I, observer. I, that, that's, that's a very good question. And, and so this goes back to my grand deception theory. My feeling is if I can go back and I can prove unequivocally that uh, these three pivotal cases back in 1947, Kenneth Arnold, uh, Maury Island, and Roswell, those three are all grand deception operations, then the whole ufology house of cards is going to fall. Let me just throw in one thing for you, James. I think most UFO researchers agree that Maury Island wasn't a UFO case. It was a hoax. If Hey, UFO hunters, that was their first episode. They, they treated it like it was a real event, and, and it was legitimate. Well, you know, just, we, Kenneth Arnold was brought into the investigation by Ray Palmer, but okay, is that the connection? What was Kenneth Arnold's involvement here? Was he someone who made it up, or he just saw something? Well, it's a good question, but if you look at the, uh, the his story, and I believe Kenneth Arnold is as honest a person as they come, if you read his, his book, Coming of the Saucers, and you cross-compare it with all of the FBI documentation that was released on Maury Island, what I see is a pattern of deception that, uh, and, and of manipulation. For example, when, when, he, when, when he flew to uh, Spokane to investigate, and he, he, he shows up in town, and, I'm sorry, the coma, and he, and he shows up in town, and he has no place to stay. And he calls around, and, and every hotel is booked. And lo and behold, he gets to the Winthrop Hotel, and they already have a room under his name, which he never booked. Yeah, and that was down to Tacoma. That, that was in Tacoma. Tacoma. When he... Right. And, and so he gets and he stays in this room, and he shares it with this Eastern Airlines pilot who conveniently also was a skeptic at first and all of a sudden had his own personal sighting up in the air. Uh, and then conveniently enough, this hotel was right across the street from the UPI wire. My feeling is that there were, there were powers within the Air Force and maybe some, uh, some, some remnants of prior uh, Office of Strategic Services that was absorbed by the Air Force that were trying to get the UFO story out onto the news media. And they used Kenneth Arnold for that purpose. So I have a feeling that they were trying to push it out there to create the myth, and Kenneth Arnold became the perfect conduit for that because he's an honest person. He claims to have seen something, but we don't know what he saw. But just based on the circumstances surrounding his reports and, and the, uh, the events that happened up in Tacoma, I'm seeing something that's very odd and very strange. Okay, let's go to Roswell, New Mexico. Okay, with Roswell... Uh, I, I think it's uh, most folks don't even see how utterly compact the time frame is. So here we have Kenneth Arnold reports uh, on June 24th. Um, this is the first UFO sighting that makes the mass media. And then within two weeks or a little over two weeks, we have a crash saucer on the ground. I mean, this just doesn't make sense. And, and also, what also doesn't make sense is why we have Roswell Army Airfield, home to the 509. Uh, these were the folks that dropped the atomic bomb in Japan, handpicked folks who knew the importance of keeping their mouths shut and the importance of intelligence matters, yet they put out a press release. So it, it, there are things like this that simply do not make sense uh, just from a, a logical, rational point of view, common sense point of view. 
And, and those were the questions that sort of gnawed at me in the back of my mind. And as I started to do my own personal research, uh, is where I where I started to believe that there was something bigger going on. Okay, uh, so let me just ask you, based on that, let's assume Kenneth Arnold just saw something. We don't know what it was. Test aircraft. Maury Island is some kind of military disinformation trick. Certainly Roswell, maybe that makes sense. But what were they trying to hide? What were they doing just to bring this into the public mind to sell science fiction movies? What? Well, actually, uh, I'm not sure if, you, if, if Gene, if you had a chance to read my paper that I presented. Uh, if we go back uh, to mid-June of 1947, there was a story that hit the major newspapers. And you can pick up, uh, actually, if you go online, you can find my paper on this, uh, where there was, there was, it was leaked to the press that the, um, the U.S., uh, the Brits, and New Zealand were working on a top-secret weapon that was on par with the atomic bomb that was not the atomic bomb. And, of course, this hit the press. It, it, it hit all the major newspapers. The press started to speculate what it could be. Uh, they started speculating it was an airborne weapon. And, and then, lo and behold, two weeks later, we have our first UFO report. Well, what I find extremely interesting is that they named two of the scientists who supposedly worked on this project. And as I started digging into my research, I found out that these scientists were real people. They did work on a real top-secret project during World War II, but that project they worked on was defunct in 1947. Yet they, they have these same scientists claiming in, in, in newspaper articles, confirming that, yes, that there was a, a top-secret project on par with the atomic bomb uh, that was being currently worked on, which were complete lies. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this in a moment. We have James Carrion. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I've been up since 5 in the morning. James Carrion joins us, former international director of MUFON. We're exploring the revision, I guess, of his beliefs about UFOs and his expectations and what he thinks going on. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Parenthetically, years and years ago, the one, the only Jim Mosley used to present his own Earth theory. And he did this not because he necessarily believed it, but because... 
he wanted to sound different. He wanted to be controversial that they were all secret weapons. So you're explaining now that we have this story in the newspapers about something more important than the atomic bomb, maybe, or just as important. And then we hear about UFOs, kind of a cover story. So is that the game here, that UFOs were created as a cover story? Also, we were getting all this technology from the Germans at the time, too. We were playing with rockets and stuff like that. Is that part of it? Well, keep in mind that there's, there can be multiple uses for uh, the UFO cover. Uh, my belief is that back in 1947, this deception operation wasn't to protect a real weapon. I think it was information warfare. Uh, we were trying to convince the Russians that we had something they did not. You got to remember that back in 1947, this is right before the McCarthy era. We knew, based on uh, uh, Soviet spies that were defecting, that every aspect of American government, from the State Department to the Office of Strategic Services to the White House, there were there were red spies there. We don't we didn't know who all these red spies were. We do know uh, now that they infiltrated every part of society, and, and especially our the, the top secret Manhattan Project. So I think that these counterintelligence folks said, how do, we, how do we expose these spies that are out there? Well, let's pretend we have something. Let's try to make it sound like we have something the Russians don't, and we'll see who takes an interest in that. Uh, so I think maybe at the beginning was just for counterintelligence reasons. Sounds like uh, a public sting. Exactly. And it's kind of blown out of control over 60 years. Well, I think, it's, uh, I think they said, well, that was, that was very effective. I wonder how else we can use this UFO field. So I think it, from there, it, it, uh, it, everything from psychological warfare to uh, protecting real projects from the stealth fighter to the stealth bomber um, so to mind control experiments. Who knows what they've, they've milked out of this field? I'm going to mention uh, something which occurs to me. I've mentioned this before on the show, and nobody wants to hear it, but I'm going to mention it again before Chris asks more questions from our audience. And that is, consider that Barney and Betty Hill lived near a military base and then consider their close friends were in the military and consider the possibility that that was an effort at mind control the abduction the i guess the granddaddy or grandma of all abductions the barney and betty hill case what do you think well i think it's a it's a possibility um if you look at, at some of the nefarious things the cia was doing uh in terms of of mind control and, and, and administering drugs with, without people's consent. Uh, well, Sidney Gottlieb, the, Fort Detrick, MKUltra. Exactly. These, these folks that, uh, who, who really had a no moral or ethical conscience, uh, who knows what the limit, limits were and who knows what they were doing. Uh, so it's all very possible. Hmm. So they get out of control or did the government say hey, this worked pretty good, we're just going to continue playing these games for whatever reason, whatever we have to hide. Well, uh, the question is, who is in control? Is it, are there, are, is it really the three-letter agencies that are out there, or has this uh, gotten out of controls now within the military-industrial complex? And, and the private sector. In, uh, the private sector that's out there uh, doing this. It's kind of hard to file an FOIA, uh, McDonnell Douglas or Lockheed or Boeing, whomever. Well, let's uh, switch gears here and go back. We've got a lot of questions, James. Um, actually, uh, just as an aside here, your uh, appearance here on the Paracast has probably generated more questions 
I think, of uh, for a guest by our forum uh, posters than any other guest that we've had, at least in the last six or eight months. And uh, a lot of it is centered on the relationship with uh, Robert Bigelow and, and Bass and MUFON. So uh, I, I want to just fire a couple of these real quick at you. They give us, uh, potentially the answer will give us a little bit more insight into the relationship. Um, first off, from uh, SRL, we have how many case files had been amassed when Mr. Bigelow acquired MUFON? Uh, do you have a, you know, some sort of number? In other words, he, he, he was given access to the entire database, just, just as anyone is. But can he somehow copyright or have any proprietary control over that information, that data? No, his, uh, the BAS's uh, access to the data was just for the duration of the project. So any historical case files that we transmitted to them or their online access to the uh, current case files around the website – they, they, it was not sold to them. They were given access to those files, and that access was terminated when the contract was terminated. Okay. Well, I, you know, Gene probably can comment a little bit more than I can on this. Uh, I mean, if you're given access to a database, you got the database, basically. So as soon as they, you know, they already had everything that they needed. They just weren't being fed, uh, at least to our knowledge, they weren't being fed fresh cases. But, but, but they have uh, access to all the data that have been uh, acquired over 40 years, correct? Let me ask you a quick question about that, too, about how it's organized. Is this one single database, like an Access or a FileMaker Pro database with everything on it? No, and, and I think there, there's a distinction between the historical case files, uh, which were the paper-based ones sitting in file cabinets that were digitally scanned, and stored in Adobe PDF format. Those are not accessible online. Okay, but I think that was the question. Uh, okay. Now, uh, it, it, since Bigelow has been, you know, became involved with the Bass Project and the Star Teams and, and the rest of it, uh, is there any way that he can exercise any sort of proprietary control over that data? I think that's the second part of this question. No, absolutely not. Uh, that intellectual property belongs exclusively to MUFON. Uh, Okay, okay, that's that's good to know. Um, there's a couple more. Bear with me here. Have has MUFON, to your knowledge, conducted any sort of uh, pattern recognition uh, program or any sort of um, crunching the data, uh, so to speak? In other words, the question is: Has MUFON at any time searched for patterns in the data, and if so, what was revealed? That's the uh, follow-up question. Well, the, the only uh, uh, crunching of the data that I've seen uh, that, that, was, that happened in the past actually had to do with uh, abductions. Um, there, was a, there were two different projects to move on. One was called the, the Abduction Transcription Project, where uh, a lot of these uh, hypnotherapists, uh, counselors who had uh, alleged uh, uh, abductees, they, they would give MUFON their session transcripts, uh, the hypnosis sessions, MUFON would transcribe those, emit the witness information, and then compare all of these different hypnosis sessions to see what sort of patterns emerged. Uh, that was that was one project. The other project was the um, the abduction monitoring project, where we built these little black box devices that were putting alleged abductee homes that measured the ambient environment, and then now was this uh, this technology supplied by Bass? No, no, this is way before uh, Bass okay, got involved. Okay. Okay. Or even NIDS got in. This was after NIDS uh, terminated its uh, support of MUFON 
uh, and this was funded by a third party. So I think it was a three-year project where they, they put these black boxes and collected data from these abductee homes, and then the abductees would, the alleged abductees would then uh, journal whenever they thought they had an abduction experience. So the, the, the goal of the project was to try to figure out if there was a correlation between when the abductee thought they had an experience and a change in their ambient environment, right. change in temperature, uh, change in uh, gravity or whatever else. And so all this data was collected. So we have all this data in hand, but then the funding ran out and they could never crunch that data. So it's, it's data that still needs to be statistically analyzed. Is that something people can go online and get this data and do something with it? No, absolutely not. It's, the data is actually is being controlled by the Center for UFO Studies because they were a partner with MUFON. So uh, Mark Rodiger, I'm, I'm not sure if Mark is still with PUFOS, but oh boy. he's the one who, who has that, uh, that data, the, at least for the... Okay, uh, we'll get into more of this in a moment. We have James Carrion. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. I'm Roger Rao at Midas Resources. If you are going through a financial roller coaster because of your investment in stocks, bonds, and other paper assets, perhaps you're ready for a change. You have an opportunity to change your financial security. Get the stability and peace of mind you deserve by investing in precious metals. Gold and silver have been a form of wealth protection for over 5,000 years all over the world. If you have seen your hard-earned money lose value because of inflation, sliding dollar, etc., it's time you stop the bleeding. The answer to your problems is simple. Gold and silver will protect your assets and your purchasing power. Physical possession of precious metals, IRA rollover, etc. Call me, Roger Rao, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Take action today when we are still accepting paper dollars for gold and silver. Ready for a change? Call Roger Rao at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Again, it's 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey Sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new Cyclass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than two cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. 
Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call today 1-877-99-BERKEY. The five main steps to great health are detoxification, an alkaline pH, elimination of infections, optimal hormone levels, and renutrification. When all these factors are brought into play, then your body is supported to create radiant health. Of all the nutrients needed by the body, protein plays a dominant role. The type, quality, and digestibility of that protein plays a key role in how good you feel on a day-to-day basis. Of all the proteins that nature offers, one is the most digestible and offers the most benefits for the most people. It is unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is the first ever unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. It is easily digested and comes in three delicious flavors. Whether you want better energy, better blood sugar, more endurance, or clearer thinking, One World Way is a must for you to try. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWHEY.com. That's OneWorldWHEY.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. We're asking your questions, listeners. Join the Paracast forums, forum.paracast.com, and you'll have the chance to ask questions. Someday, by the way, we might actually take phone calls from listeners. I will tell you this to really tantalize you. We have the power. James Carrion's our guest. Chris O'Brien has the power because he's asking those questions. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, would you continue? Okay, let's uh, switch gears a little a, a little bit here. Uh, this is this is great. Um, I'm glad this question wasn't asked of me during your time at MUFON, James. Did you ever see anything that would support the notion that we are being visited by non-human intelligences? Um, absolutely not. I haven't seen <laughs> no, no evidence whatsoever uh, of uh, alien involvement. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's all got to be aliens, right? We're dealing with uh, ETs coming. You know, there's obviously millions of, of civilizations out there in the quadrillions of star systems. You mean we're not important enough for them to come here and, like, visit us? Or, or hybrid hybridization, you know, mate with us, the daughters of men or the daughters of ETs? I'm sorry. I must apologize to our listeners. I didn't mean to be so uh, blatantly crass on that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He has to get his head slapped. Okay. There you go. Ow, ow. So, James, we, from what you've seen, I mean, you were sitting in the driver's seat there, what, four, almost five years, uh, and you've been involved in, you know, you're an ex-military member. Um, I think you were an analyst, correct? Uh, You speak fluent Russian, uh, if I remember correctly. Well, not fluent, but I was a a signals intelligence analyst. uh, Okay. 
So, I mean, we're not talking about uh, a guy who, you know, just has the average kind of um, skills and training. We're talking about somebody that, that, you know, we should listen to when it comes to matters of intelligence agency programs. And, you know, I mean, you have a little, I think, uh, a little bit more of a, of a leg up on most people when it comes to these questions. But factoring all that knowledge and training in, plus your tenure at MUFON, if you haven't seen anything that supports the notion that we are b- being visited by non-human intelligences, what are we dealing with? Well, I think we're, we're dealing with uh, specifically with intelligence agencies who are inf- in- interested in information warfare, and they're interested in psychological manipulation. And I think actually the UFO field provides the perfect training ground for their operations. Uh, prime example is what I've encountered in the last year or so of being in MUFON, going up against some of these message boards like the Open Minds Forum and Above Top Secret, where the UFO mythology is being pushed by a lot of folks who have no real backgrounds. A lot of folks who are just anonymous individuals who can go up and make whatever claims they'd like. And what I find highly interesting is I've always thought, well, what, what is the goal of this? And I think I've sort of, sort of figured out that we're the proving ground for information warfare techniques to be used in the, wider, in, the, in the wider world. For example, I wrote a blog article about WikiLeaks and how I don't believe WikiLeaks is what it pretends to be. I think there's an intelligence agency behind that and that it's trying to break, build credibility and could be used as a conduit for disinformation and, and as a way to influence governments. And I think that had its start in the UFO world. Wow. Well, you're not alone there. Julian Assange uh, has been called out by some. And, and I think the, there is some question about the, uh, the real underlying agenda behind uh, WikiLeaks. But again, let's uh, go ahead and, and shift gears here a little bit. What is your opinions regarding the quality of the work performed by field investigators and of the STAR team? I mean, how well did these people uh, – function out in the field. This is from Ron Collins, one of our uh, moderators. Well, I, I think that uh, it's sort of uh, it's a hit and miss. There were a lot of star team members. The The question is, was there uh, a common level of education and, and a common level of uh, investigation standards or even know-how? And so How I think are these we, people selected? Well, they were, they, there was an application process. They, they um, obviously had to be current MUFON field investigators. But we were also looking for folks that had uh, backgrounds in aviation or backgrounds in science. Um, but it, it's sort of, uh, you know, how do you actually certify a professional UFO investigator? I mean, there's, there is no formal process for doing that. Uh, even UFON's own certification process is, is, uh, is just a, sort of an entry-level education. So, you know, there, the bottom line is that it's hard to, to apply standards across the board to how investigation is done. Well, that leads me to another question, um, and this is from Andrew Rhodes. James, having been the international director of MUFON and now being disenchanted with the organization, where would you advise uh, both current and former members of MUFON to go to, to you know, conduct scientific investigation of this phenomenon. I mean, it sounds like MUFON is really in in a state of, uh, you know, needed catharsis right now. Uh, where do people who really are dedicated and are willing to spend their time, effort, and money going out doing the work in the field, where, where should they go? Well, I'm not, I'm not advocating that anybody uh, abandon ship. Uh, I think that uh, there has to be reform within MUFON, and if there's, there are current MUFON members 
that are uh, just as disenchanted or they're worried about the organization and where it's headed. Uh, they need to they need to inundate the MUFON board with, with their opinions and their views, uh, because right now the, the board is operating within their own little glass ceiling uh, where they're listening to each other, but they're not listening to the wider membership uh, in terms of where the organization should be headed. I want to ask you a fast question, James. If the UFO mystery is largely a concoction of intelligence agencies or disinformation, why do we even bother investigating it? Maybe we should just give it all up. Well, it's, that's, that's a very good point. Um, so that's why I've, I've decided to, to leave MUFON and, and, and actually pursue my own research along the lines of this grand deception theory uh, because I think that where I can do the most good and the most damage to these intelligence agencies is to show the pattern of deceit that's been in place for the last 60 years and if I can convince folks that this is, this is a uh, plausible explanation for, for this field, then I think I've been, done a, a greater service to uh, ufology than, than any investigator else, any, uh, any investigation of uh, case files. Uh, would well, do. you want to burn off the dross. You're not suggesting that this uh, – you're not proposing a one-size-fits-all answer for something that's very ancient and very real at its core. I mean – do you believe that there is any validity to the actual core truth or reality of the UFO phenomenon? I mean, let's burn off all the peripheral elements that might be involved, whether it's intelligence agencies, misidentified this, uh, untrained observers. Is there something at the core of this phenomenon that even deserves investigation? And you'll get that answer in a moment from James Carrion. First off, let me ask you to join our forums. Yes, if you join the Paracast forums, you can ask questions of guests. We announce our shows at least a few days in advance before we do the recording so you can get in on the action. To join the Paracast forums, go to forum.paracast.com. Once again, that's forum.paracast.com. It takes just a couple of minutes to join up, and then you'll be ready to get in on the action. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO.com at webtv.net that's mr ufo at webtv.net find out what they don't want you to know (laughs) 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey Guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. There's mounting evidence suggesting that there are people, governments, corporations, and whole professions intent on short-circuiting humanity's well-being. GMO, food legislation protecting big agriculture, the attempted elimination of vitamins and alternative medicines, it seems their hand has been tipped. They want to dictate your health, wealth, and your longevity. Whatever the outcome, we have a solution. Wild edible food. Why worry about food when all has been provided? We imagine that we were ejected from the garden and never invited back, but the garden's still here. There is an endless wild abundance which grows all over our green earth, just waiting for you to wake up and see it. Let author Linda Runyon teach you how to see, know, get, prepare, store, and eat wild edible food. Save money, add nutrition, and ignore the noise when you go shopping in nature's supermarket. Go to ofthefield.com and get started today. Or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. And begin to see a different world. Extend your life with Hi, I'm Don Wiskin, and have you ever wondered what the garlic cayenne drops could do for you? February is Heart Month, and we want you to find out just what can happen when you take the right combination of herbs designed to maintain our cardiovascular health. Purchase a four-month supply of Extendivite drops or capsules Plus, get a bonus month's supply of capsules for only $125 plus shipping. That's five months' worth of Extendivite for $25 per month. This is a heart month special to help get you started on your path to better health and ends February 28th. So don't be left out. Find out what Extendivite can do for you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's one 1- 877-928-8822 or visit our website at heartdrop.com Extend your life with America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade We are the GCN Radio Network This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. James Carrion is ready to answer the question about what the core of the UFO mystery might be, if not just military disinformation. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So there you go. What do you have to say, James? Well, I think that uh, Chris Carter of the X-Files got it right in one of his episodes where this uh, couple was they were driving down a country road. All of a sudden, this uh, triangular craft came out of nowhere, and these little gray aliens came out, and they abducted the couple. And then uh, in the next uh, scene, 
a larger craft came down with a different alien, alien that abducted the greys and the humans. And when everybody was on board, uh, these little gray aliens turned out to be Air Force people in disguise. And they so, said, who are those guys? Exactly. Who was uh, that masked man? <laughs> I think I just I think brought that, that up in our last interview, right, uh, Gene, with uh, David Halpern, I think. <laughs> That's one of my favorite all-time scenes from a TV show. Absolutely. I think that in a nutshell is the, U- the UFO uh, field. Because okay, so there is something that we should be investigating, is what you're saying. It's not all intelligence agencies and hidden secret black budget technology. We, we are dealing with something there. I, I think there, there probably is a phenomenon of some sort. The problem is how many layers of the onion do you have to peel to get to it? And, and in other words, how, much, how deep does the intelligence cloak uh, over ufology go? That's and, the rub. And yeah. The other question that follows then is if there is a core mystery. Something we don't understand, don't know whether it's E.T. or whatever it is. Is the government also involved in keeping that a secret? Is that why they're stuffing the channels with all this junk? Is that one reason? Well, I think, I think it's a possibility, but I think that uh, something, a core phenomena is probably on the same level as trying to understand human consciousness or life after death or the things that are seem to be right beyond our reach right now. So if there is a core phenomenon, I don't think uh, the powers to be uh, have any greater understanding of us, any greater understanding of it than the layman or layperson does. So I think they're sort of just using it as cover, conveniently as cover. And whether they are also investigating it, I, I, I sort of doubt it. So the so, only disclosure that can be then is that they have been playing a big game. But then does that also mean all these other great conspiracies has something involved there too? We think, you know, what about the Kennedy assassination, all that stuff. We have to think that one of the figures in the Maury Island incident, Fred right, B. Fred Christman, Christman, yeah, he, you know, was supposedly one of the hobos yeah, in the Kennedy assassination. Sure. Then he became a I've talk show at, host. I've looked at photographs. I'm not sure about that, but it is an interesting, it would be more than coincidental. Well, I think, I think where our research needs to be done along those lines is if we just look historically at what happened within the intelligence agencies around that time, the OSS had been disbanded, uh, the great wartime organization, and I think it was somewhere along 90% of the personnel that belonged to the OSS ended up under the Central Intelligence Group, the predecessor to the CIA, uh, and under the, the command of Hoyt Vandenberg. So, and this was around the same time frame as this grand deception operation that I'm talking about. So you had a lot of unemployed, very good people skilled at deception and intelligence operations who fit very, who could very well have been plugged in to Maury Island, into Kenneth Arnold's sighting, into Roswell. A lot of people that, that, were, that, were, that were actually out of work and very eager to do their job. Okay, but of course the other question people ask about that is, okay, what about the core UFO sightings? You have the simultaneous radar visual cases. Are they all just military craft or fake radar images? That was one of the things mentioned in the book by the gentleman who wrote Mirage Men, Mr. Pilkington. Um, or a lot of them were, were military observers. I mean, we, so the question is... Were, were these real sightings, or or were these uh, fabricated tales? We got more questions in the till there. I do actually. Uh, let's see. We now have the sound. Well, of course, oh, we, sound we of his eyes whole... moving as he looks over the questions and he, tries yeah. to find ones that have not already been answered. Well, I think this is kind of a sub thread 
um, but it has to do with uh, Bigelow, Nids, and the alleged Skinwalker Ranch up in the Uinta Basin, uh, south of Fort Duchesne. Uh, James, you've come out uh, rather vocally claiming, based on your research, that you feel that there's really nothing to the Terry Sherman Ranch case. Uh, that 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 I think you talked to a brother of Sherman or or a prior owner, I believe. I'm not sure. Why don't you lead us through the investigative process and research process that you've undertaken about the Skinwalker Ranch? Well, I've always been a big fan of Frank Salisbury, who, who wrote the, the Utah UFO Display. Uh, and and, and um, so what happened was that Frank invited me out to Utah because he was updating his book. So together we traveled to um, that part of, the, of Utah in, in, where the ranch is at. And I actually called up uh, Colin Kelleher of Bass and said, hey, we're out here. We'd love to get access to the ranch, and, and, and we were refused. And even prior to that, Frank Salisbury was refused access. So I'm not really sure why we're denied access uh, as, as you know, bona fide investigators. Um, we, had but- Frank, uh, we had Frank on the show a couple of months back. Uh, I think it was his first real major Internet broadcast, maybe even radio interview in many years. And uh, his, you know, I digress here a little bit, but his UFOs and the Utah UFO display book has been republished. And he does have an additional sort of an abridged section in the book that that talks about the ranch. And he does quote you in there. Yeah, we we, uh, we, together we did all those uh, interviews of witnesses around the ranch. And uh, what I I found intriguing, and this is what I I mentioned on a recent online uh, uh, message board, is that the the stories we were hearing from the neighbors around the ranch were 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 not high strangeness uh, cases were, were not high strangeness observations uh, like was documented in the book of Rosie Woodward's crime on, on the ranch itself. In fact, the most compelling case I heard was was a historical case that happened over here near the ranch. Uh, and then uh, Frank uh, uh, was able to get in contact with the uh, former owner's uh, brother. Uh, the owners had passed away, and uh, the ranch was sold to the Shermans, who then sold it, sold it to Bigelow. And, and the brother uh, of, of the original owners uh, was very adamant that uh, there was no strange activity happening in the ranch prior to the Shermans buying it. In fact, he said he spent many, many uh, days and, and nights on that ranch and never had anything happen out of the ordinary or that was strange. So I found that to be um, um, just weird that here we have this book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, that claims one thing, and, and, and the former ranch owner's brother was claiming something else. Um, the other thing that I thought highly strange was uh, the story that was uh, told to us by one of the folks who worked on the ranch uh, about finding these, these rods, uh, these, these metal rods, after a UFO sighting, and then these rods were sent off to a mid-scientist well, then, actually, they were found on a mutilated cow, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure if it was uh, it was on the mutilated cow or after a sighting, but I do know that he said they were sent off for analysis. And here we have a NID scientist who came back and said, hey, these are element 115. I know that because I worked at Area 51 where we accumulated 300 pounds of this material. Uh, so here what? we have – exactly. Here we have a, a NID scientist <laughs> a NID scientist who was basically repeating the Bob Lazar story. Do you, do you have a name uh, to attach to that scientist? Or? Uh, you know, actually, I don't. And when I mentioned it to John Schusler, he said uh, he was going to look into it further. 
I never did hear back from John whether he was able to get a name of that scientist because he was familiar with the rods because he was, he was a consultant for for NIDS at the time. And according to John, that it was definitely not element 115. It was actually something that you would uh, find in, a, in a, some sort of uh, high-intensity lamp. Um, and it would so weigh a lot. It would be very heavy. Exactly. And I think um, the bottom line was that this person, this person who I, I don't really want to say his name, but because uh, he asked us to, uh, to um, keep his name confidential. He's still under non-disclosure as far as I know. You're talking about the former NIDS employee? Yes. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll get into that in a moment and all the ramifications. And I have one devil's advocate question to ask at the beginning of our next and final section. James Carrion joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. Of course, you're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com the food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy Clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. 
Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. My name is Van, and I'm 68 years old, and I live in Vermont. In the spring of 2003, I started to have problems with my heart. It felt like my heart was pounding. It made me feel breathless. I tried many, many different things to try to get some help for myself. Nothing did anything. Heart and Body Extract is very powerful, very effective, and works quickly. I saw one of Sharon's ads and ordered Heart and Body Extract. I noticed a difference quickly, within days. The episodes became less frequent, and by a month, they completely vanished. Usually, you find a 30-day or 60-day guarantee. Heart and Body Extract comes with a lifetime 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Here's a special announcement. Next week, we're going to feature the astounding fifth anniversary episode of the Paracast. Five years indeed. Our guests will include our co-host, Chris O'Brien, returning for a special appearance, Paul Kimball. And, of course, Greg Bishop next week on the Paracast. James Carrion's the guest. The devil's advocate question. Okay, you've had military background, James. You want to lead us in the direction of military disinformation for a lot of the UFO mystery? How do we know that you are not a military disinformation specialist? Oh, oh, be nice, Gene. Well, you know, I've been accused of that off and on. I think I'm still on the top 100 men in blacklist somewhere on the internet. I think right, Jim Mosley's right you're next not, to you, you're as a matter of fact. Waves. <laughs> um, you know, the, the bottom line is those, those out there who are true believers and want to believe that I'm muddy in the water, well, they're going to continue to believe that. All, all I know is that what my personal research has shown is that this phenomena is, uh, is being used and being abused by elements within the intelligence agencies. And uh, what they're trying to cover up, whether it's stealth aircraft or a, a real extraterrestrial visitation, I can't tell you for sure. All I know is that the layers of deception go very deep. And I'm a truth seeker. My goal is to peel away these layers and get at the ultimate truth. And the bottom line is, we're known by their fruit. I think anybody who's seen my research, who's heard me speak, who's read my blog, uh, know that I'm, I'm a straight shooter. I don't have anything to hide. And my goal is to chip away at, um, at the levels of secrecy and expose whatever the core truth may be. Well, that's the motto of the Paracast. That's called separating the signal from the noise, and that is the Paracast motto here. And, you know, James, personally, I applaud you for taking this brave step forward and pointing at the emperors on parade and saying, hey, look, we really need to get serious here and start factoring out the noise before we could ever hope to get uh, any sort of insight on the signal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at least personally, you know, I can't speak for gene or you know all our listeners but personally you know i i applaud you and i i really appreciate uh the courage it's taken to really 
you know, not only be the director, international director of MUFON and, and deal with this influx of, of influence from third parties and, and but coming out and actually, you know, presenting cogently your side of the story and, and, and then addressing the issues that are raised by this. I, I, I applaud you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Chris. Chris, any more questions? Because we don't have many more well, minutes it's, left. Yeah, I know. We, we can't get into the whole Bigelow uh, NIDS uh, thing and, and the ranch. There's uh, other questions relating to that. You know, I, I, I really think that, uh, gosh, we, two, you know, the time really went by fast here. Um, I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to bring up as well. But, James, uh, we're going to have to have you on for another, uh, another go-around if you're, if you're into it because I, I think we're – I, I feel like we're just getting rolling here. Uh, I, you know, I'd really like to pick your brain. Are you, are you going to be at the uh, International Symposium? Are you going to crash the party down there or, or the, uh, the Congress, rather? Are you referring to MUFON Symposium or the one in the desert? Uh... Right, right. The, uh, the Open Minds uh, acquisition. It's almost like uh, <laughs> John Rayo is almost like Robert Bigelow's little brother or something here. We have two competing private interests trying to uh, buy ufology, it, it would appear. Uh, did I well, say that? Oh, Gene, sm- yeah, hit me again, Gene. Gene excuse me, me, one, two. No, I'm not. I don't mind. Ow. Yes, I will. Okay, so are you going to be down? Are you going to be down in uh, in Phoenix here? Uh, are you going to come down and say hello? Uh, no, actually, I have no plans to go down to that uh, to that conference, but I probably will crash the MUFON one in California. This oh, that's going to be fun. Cool. Well, uh, I, please, pencil out some time. I, I really would like to sit down and talk with you at some point there. Okay, would love to. Chris, pepper him with a few more questions. Well, James, uh, you know, where do we go from here? I mean – we have a whole younger generation um, that needs to become involved in this field. The average age at your average uh, UFO conference is probably pushing 70 at this point. I mean, what can we do to get the young people involved in this whole thing? Well, I, I think uh, that's always been an issue. Uh, I think with the Internet, uh, with everybody being so technical, uh, tech, uh, technology savvy, that they, they don't really see a need for joining an organization or, or even going to conferences for that matter. There's such a such so much information blood on the internet. I think a lot of these young people tend to stay where they're at and, and, and surf the net on their smartphones. And well, how do we the- organize them? How do we get them to be uh, all pulling you know on their oars in the same direction? Well, the question is, what, who's uh, who's doing the recruiting and for what reasons? So, if you have an organization like MUFON. Uh, who's who? I believe is, is 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 changing away from what they should be doing, which is true skepticism, and and, and they're they're on the other extreme of true belief. Um, do you you know does a young person really feel pulled towards that, or 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 do they really want to get involved with that? I, I don't yeah, know. That's a good point. Yeah, um, and that's quite an indictment too. Uh, one that I share. You know, I've all many people over the years have asked, "Well, aren't you a member of MUFON?" And I say, "No." And I use the Groucho Marx line: "I wouldn't be a member of any group that would have me as one." Actually, uh, I have to admit, I do hold a MUFON membership, but mostly to get the newsletter. I want to keep up with it. Sure. <laughs> oh man, I just had to pop that one out of the hat there again. I was thinking about that <laughs> myself, of course. Let's see. I maintained the membership in NICAP even after Richard Hall told me to leave many years ago. Chris, a couple of minutes left. One more, two more questions. 
Well, James, uh, I mean, where are you going from here? What, uh, you know, you've been quite visible here the past couple, three weeks. Um, I listened to uh, most of your Jerry Pippen uh, appearance and uh, been following your blog. Uh, where are you going with this? Other than, than, you know, as you've stated, you really want to dig in and try to find the truth. I mean, what is your public role here? I mean, are you going to be cheerleading some sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> disclosure of true involvement by uh, the intelligence agencies in this? Is there some way that we can expose, put the light of truth on, on, on some of these nefarious activities that have been going on for decades? I mean, uh, what do you see your role as being in this? To be honest, I think my role is mostly to expose um, uh, the patterns of activity that I see, the, the deception that's being perpetrated. And I, it's sort of uh, what I did during the whole uh, Kim Ross affair when, with the Great Lakes Dive Company who put up their bogus right. website and made their bogus yeah, excellent, excellent work, by the way. I think the bottom line is, is really to... Um, to hit them where it hurts, which is with the truth. So, you know, I've been, my job, I think, is to, is to expose, not to call for any grand disclosure. I think the exopolitics folks have hijacked that quite a bit, uh, quite well. Um, Can you I don't spell believe, pipe dream? <laughs> I don't believe there's going to be disclosure uh, because these, uh, these folks that are in the know, they, they have no incentive to disclose. And, and no, they they're going to have all the other countries uh, give us tidbits to keep the, uh, the, you know, the onus and the em- emphasis off the U.S. Sure. I, so I, I think this, uh, this whole promise of disclosure we keep hearing from the exopolitic uh, is the, uh, you know, the, the taking away the football from Charlie Brown before he kicks it. Um, it, it just never happens. And, and so... I, I think they're always trying to keep us on the edge of our seats with these promises of disclosure. So I think my role is to agitate and to expose and take the fight to the intelligence agencies themselves. And so rather than have have uh, rather than these intelligence agencies send us down rabbit holes, new rabbit holes, is uh, is attacking them um, on their own turf. And I think that's what I my goal was when I went to do that research at the Skinwalker Ranch, and why I I tend to. Um, or, or the fight I had with the Open Minds Forum. It's, uh, it's taking the fight to them. Where do we find more information about you, James Carrion? You have a blog. My blog is uh, followthemagicfred.blogspot.com. And also you can uh, catch up on all my latest research on the centerforufotruth.org. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Right here on the Paracast, Gene. Now I'm a card-carrying member of the forum. I'm an administrator. James, uh, another question that was asked is, uh, would you be willing to post, uh, come to the forum and answer some uh, more detailed questions? A couple of people asked you, uh, invited you to come on to the Paracast forum. So... Uh, it'll be a great uh, opportunity for you to get more in depth with some, you know, really up to speed folks. Sure, I would be happy to do that. James Carrion, right. thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Chris. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. 